0: Hello and welcome to episode 47 of A Positive Podcast. Today's podcast is powered by OKClarity.com. More about them later in the show. If you would like to sponsor an episode in honor of a loved one or to celebrate an upcoming special occasion, or just because you appreciate what we're doing here on this podcast, please reach out through my website, APositiveCoach.com, or email me at Riesel at JewishPeabody.com. In addition, if you're curious to hear more about positive psychology-based life coaching and to see if it's a fit for you, you can reach out through my website apositivecoach.com, to set up your free consultation. In today's episode, my husband, Rabbi Nachami and I sit down together with Rabbi Rosenblum, a mechanich par excellence, a renowned educator and leader in Jewish education. Throughout our conversation, we delve into various topics relating to parenting and classroom management and we explore current trends in parenting and effective ways to create a productive and positive learning environment in schools. What sets this episode apart, however, is our discussion of these topics through the lens of Taira and Chasidis, providing a unique and insightful perspective on these important issues. So whether you're a parent or a teacher or simply interested in learning more about effective education strategy strategies, this episode is sure to provide you valuable insights and perspectives. So I think you're gonna enjoy this, sit back, Relax and be ready to grow. Thank you so much, Harvey Rosenbloom, for joining us on a positive podcast. And you've been a friend of our family like for almost 10 years now. And we had a child in your school, and you guided us over the years. You've given us advice, and your advice has been spot on each time. And I still remember some of the things you told me. I can even remember where I was sitting when you told me them. So we, we value your insight and your wisdom. And as of late, you've been more open about your desire to change the way I would say the system, if you can see me, I'm using quotes, operates. And you've invested efforts to have thought through this whole like new way of thinking, similar, similar to the way Rabbi Shimon Russell and the like have been talking about helping how to refresh things. And you've been doing this in Pittsburgh in the schools and under your care. And um, that's one of the reasons why we reached out to you. So if you don't mind to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, more specifically, you are known in the Chinuch field as being on the cutting edge of things and you're not afraid to try new things and sometimes even untested modalities. And one of the events that you've done recently with your yeshiva they are in Pittsburgh, you had Rabbi Shimon Russell and, You interviewed him, you spoke, you had questions, and it appears that you are radically rethinking how Chinuch needs to be approached. And perhaps more bluntly said, what what did you see missing or not working that you felt needed to be fixed? And what have your findings found? So what do you, I know it's a long question, but basically what are you learning about the old system that now kind of needs to be tweaked and changed?
1: First of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. I appreciate the opportunity to share. Also, uh, recall with um, the 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 fact that uh, we had when your son was attended our yeshiva, you were very engaged um, parents who understood this, which is written in Hayyam Yayim today. That parents, you know, the Alter Rebbe summoned the uh, the, mit, the the um, the disciple of the Maggid and asked him to take responsibility for the chinuch of his child, the Mitle Rebbe. And he said, this is like a partnership. Um, There's an alliance between parents and school. And I think you are wonderful parents and wonderful partners. And uh, as much as uh, thank you for the compliment that you learned from me, I I learned from you as well. And I think when parents uh, collaborate with the school and they build a healthy relationship, um, it benefits uh, both parties. And uh, we, we focus on what's ultimately important, which is the child. Um, I'm trying to unpack the long question mm-hmm. um, in parts. Um, so let me just talk a little, little bit about myself and our school, and uh, you can interject at any time if you want to redirect me. And if okay. I don't, if I don't remember all the details of uh, of, of the question, I'll so, bring you back. Yeah. Okay. So, so first of all, um, I've spent my career here in Pittsburgh. I've been in Pittsburgh, involved in Chinuch since Tavshin Memches, it's been a while. Um, I was actually born in Pittsburgh and I attended the school which I, I I currently have the title of head of school. So I have a long history with Pittsburgh and yeshiva schools of Pittsburgh. And I think um, my formative years here, um, mostly observing my own parents, who were in between the two of them for over a hundred years. Um, and I think they understood a lot of the things that I'm coming to understand many years later, they understood it many, many years ago. Um, i just tell you a quick, cute story. I was once, uh, a, a fellow named Rabbi Moshe Gans, who was wrote a book called make me don't break me. He calls me up. He said, he heard a story about me, uh, uh which went like this. that I was talking with a, uh, I was talking with a kid in my office with a student and then the secretary said, "Hey, there's someone important here that needs to speak to you." And according to the story, I responded, "Well, I'm speaking to someone who's very, very important." And when the child heard that, it changed their life, their life forever, yeah. and that whatever, whatever. So I said to him, I "Remember, Gans, I love the story. It didn't happen, <laughs> but it could have happened with my parents." <laughs> but uh. anyway, so it, it, you know, so the story is not in the book because of that. So, so I grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, influenced by my parents, influenced by the. Uh, by the yeshiva, the leadership here at yeshiva it was a very small school, and for, from a very very young age, I um, they, they 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 included us and involved us in the school. I remember as a nine or ten year old student raising funds for yeshiva. It was called tag day. I'd stand at the corner of Phillips and Murray, which is in Squirrel Hill, raising funds for yeshiva, and I'd come home and tell my mother and whatever. So we we were we were uh, we were brought up about the importance of, you know, of of education. And uh, so it was always on my mind that that was my shlichus, um, you know, um, from when I was young. And I think that uh, part of my belief system, part of what I learned is that you always need to uh, learn, grow, uh, adjust to the realities that are in front of you. Uh, just to reference my father, Oliver Shalm, again, he would come to the professional development sessions um, at the age of 80. <laughs> I'd say, wow. ta, ta, if you haven't yet figured it out till now, I mean, <laughs> how is this going to help? He says, you know, it's worth sitting there because maybe I'll learn one or two good ideas. He was listening to presenters who were 40 years younger than him or 50 years younger than him. It didn't matter because uh, uh, you have to adjust to the reality in front of you to the situations you find yourselves in and uh i think that sort of answers the question one of the same points that you asked um one of the questions you asked i've always asked i always ask myself the question are we meeting the, the needs of the children are we, are, we, are we are we being are we successful with this which we're doing um and if the answer is no we need to rack our brains to change it up and do something different um, so that we can reach the children it's no secret that uh we're going through it's a crisis in clearly there's a crisis we're losing way 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 too many children and uh, i think i mentioned to rabbi schusterman a couple weeks ago you know earlier on in my career i thought that if i would only come up with standards for learning um, that would solve the problem i still believe in the standards for learning but I've since come to understand that no, no one's going to learn anything on that unless we take care of their, their social, emotional, psychological needs.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We're going to take a quick break here for a message from our sponsor, OKClarity.com. OKClarity.com is the place for any Jew, no matter how religious you are, to find a top notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach or nutritionist. And it's completely free. And their professionals are vetted and they have extensive experience working within the Jewish community. So if you're in the market for a therapist or coach, check them out at OkayClarity.com. If you yourself are a provider and you're looking to list yourself, check out OkayClarity.com. I know that I've been recently listed, listed as a coach on OKClarity okay as well. Also, if you're interested, OK Clarity has an amazing WhatsApp status or group with thousands of followers, and their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health, and they post great humor, so you're going to laugh too. So if you have WhatsApp, shoot them a message, and you can be added as well. It's in my show notes as well. So check out OKClarity.com. You know that you won't regret it.
1: Uh, unless we learn how to really reach the children, um, you know, uh, as, as real bachanachem, um find out where they are and 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 uh make them kalem <laughs> to learn um like, like that right, line otherwise it's a waste a waste of time
2: right that that line that everyone is using these days, you know people don't care what you know until they know that you care
1: correct it's- right that's that that's extremely accurate and it's it's more than know that you care. I think know that you care is a very important piece of it, but we also have to as ma Learn how to understand how to get past the facade that children present to us as parents. As mechanikim. we have to try to understand where they're at so that we can help extract the like Rebbe writes in to extract whatever ability, talent, skill. How do we get them to tick? So, love is, a, is an important thing, and care is an important thing. Um, that's that's for sure. It but to be really, really curious and sensitive about, you know, what's going on with this child, regardless of what they're saying, what's really, really going on, Um, and for them to understand that we, you know, we're here to help them um, understand or to help them um, together sort of um, identify. Uh, you know, their particular area where they can contribute and grow and, and be successful. Because I think children also, they need to have that relationship. and But they also have to be successful in something. You know, if you, you can love them and care for them, but if you're not going to, if we don't find a way for them to grow and be successful feel good about themselves. So yeah, so, I mean, you know, the connection is important. So yes. um, those so, are just so some of the thoughts.
2: So what does that look like? On a very practical level, what, is, what does that look like? Uh, you know, you, you have a kid, you know i'm i'm deviating from some of the text over here but um you know like you said we're friends for a long time uh, uh, mentor friends uh, kind of, you know we, we look to for guidance we have over the years what does that look like a kid is coming into class and you know just with, before we get to the chaotic state kid comes to class he's not in the mood i mean which kid is which kid is in the mood to go to school these days i mean your 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 competition is the iphone and the xbox and 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 like you said we are in a, in a crisis so um, we want. We want. We we will show you love. We will put our arms around you. We will. Um, tr- we will show you that we care. Um, we want you to be successful. But how does school ever compete with the Xbox or the iPhone? Or- you want to know what
0: it looks like, or are you saying? Is it, you're almost saying it almost sounds like you're saying that it's impossible. So uh,
2: uh, well, that, I guess that's the question. Is is how do you, how does that work? given the competition. and we're, We haven't even touched mental health. That We'll get there in a few minutes.
1: I, I wanna step back for a second and say the following. There's a uh, field of study called systems thinking or systems analysis. What that is is that when one has a dilemma or a situation in front of them, um, it's an approach of how to go about trying to solve the issue. And there's certain rules in systems thinking. One of them is that when there's a problem in front of you, uh, it's usually numerous contributing factors. It's not one thing, okay? There's usually numerous contributing factors and you have to really dig deeper um, and ask yourself why and why and why and why. Get to the root of the problem and then try to solve the problem more structurally. Long term, not quick fixes, not to get caught up in the blame game or things like that, but rather to address it. So, you asked an extremely, extremely uh, important question, but you need to come to, to to answer that. You have to come to it from a couple different places. Okay, so um, one 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 area uh, that comes to mind that needs to be addressed, and schools are doing this and need to do this more and more and more, is to learn how to engage students. Student engagement in a classroom is a crucial and, and, and a first step for any of any teacher. And, and what I want to tell you is that master teachers actually don't worry a whole lot about classroom management and discipline. Uh, now, that's not pleasant to hear necessarily as a teacher, but it's a, I believe it to be the truth. When teachers create engaging lessons and if you take a 40 minute period or a 50 minute period, within those 50 minutes, there's four, three to five different things going on within that 50 minutes, not where the teacher is standing for 50 minutes and lecturing straightforward. Because then then your question to your question, we're not going to compete with their attention. The attention span is 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 very, very uh, minimal, limited, right? So we're not going to compete. It's going to feel boring. And and I do a lot of classroom observations. You're going to see the tension you know you know after 3 minutes you'll have you know 70% of the kids then it'll go down to 50 then 40 then 20 then 10 okay so you have to learn student engagement breaking things up creating engaging lessons and and when one does that you have much much more success at at keeping the kids involved whether they're they're by nat- naturally more well behaved or not well behaved as a rule you know you'll, you'll you'll be more successful. So so student engagement and, t- and working with teachers that, and then schools are doing it. I'm not I don't I'm not I'm not introducing anything new or, but that's just that's one thing. Okay, <laughs> that's one thing. Um, another another important thing, and this is this is not a, uh, a long list that I've you know created here. I'm just I'm just responding to the question sort of on the go. The second thing is master teachers. Master teachers meet the children academically and emotionally wherever they are. So a lot so, of times you have a situation where someone says, Well, I teach fifth grade, my subject is X. You know, they were they were supposed to be here, you know, at this stage, they're supposed to be here. There, that's not um, you won't be one won't be successful with that attitude. Um, and similarly with emotional state. Well, the parents aren't teaching that respect. They're coming from a home that the parents are very, very uh permissive and they're the children's friends. And that may be the case, but that's, you know, if you're approaching from assistance, well, this is what we have in front of us. Prat is that child's in my class. Now it's now I have to do the best I can to meet them where they are. Okay. So that's the second thing, you know learning how to adjust and recognize who I have in front of me and what my horizon is. It doesn't mean that's easy. Of course not. I don't in any way want to minimize or lessen that challenge, but that's what has to happen for parents and for, and for teachers. That's it's a similar thing. This is who the child is. This is what, this is what they're presenting uh, academically, behaviorally, emotionally. How do I, how do I, how do I address it? Um, Another big, big thing that we work on here, uh, it's it's a buzzword here in Pittsburgh and a lot of the trainings that we do, and and there needs to be intense trainings uh, with teachers and parents as well. I mean, um, we talk a lot about emotional constancy, okay, teachers being calm, remaining level, you know, Mm -hmm. not overreacting, not underreacting, but not overreacting, you know, we can't control people. You, no one controls it. You don't control anybody else. Adults don't control other adults. We don't control our children. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, and it wasn't meant to happen. The Rebbe writes in a letter that the tenai of Torah was that we, we don't fulfill mitzvahs and tereb through pekudahs and gzerahs because someone mandated it. We do it because of our own volition. So, you know, we, we don't control anybody, right? We don't get into power struggles. We're emotionally constant we're smart. So these, are other, these are skills that parents and teachers you know, need to develop. Um, schools are working on these things. Schools are doing an excellent job. Um, there's been tremendous growth in all these areas that I'm talking about. But here's just a suggestion of a couple of ideas to incorporate in, into school setting, if, if it's not already being done, into home setting that will pay its dividends um, and make a big difference in the end result. Um, so,
2: uh, th- those are a couple of those. Those,
0: are, those are excellent those are really good points it begins with us
2: well, i was going to say you know the, the, certainly the last point you mentioned emotional constancy that is certainly something that has changed um for sure in the cl- uh, for sure in the classroom settings i mean I, i'm sure you remember from your education and i'm a little younger than you but um there was none of that there was this, you know if the teacher had a bad day we all paid um I, I think i think families are coming around um you know there's People are realizing that that the old system isn't working, but it's so. These are you know really three great um, descriptions. um, I just want to
1: make what what interject one other thing, and I I I listen to conversations between teachers and students and and parents and children. (laughs) I observe these things. I'm interested in those conversations, Um, just to follow up on this emotional constancy. And I hear sometimes an adult say to a child, the parents say to a child, you know. Say something which has so little value and is going to be just not helpful. And then the parent will say, Well, this is, you know, what I'm not supposed to, you know, rebuke my child. I'm not supposed to guide my child as if it's really going to be helpful, the, the words that they used or the way they engaged. It's like it's senseless. It's absolutely senseless. Record yourself. And ask yourself, do you think I accomplish anything for this child? And Can you give an example?
0: Can, can you give an example of what you're referring to? Because I think you maybe I'm not fully getting that. What do you mean, like a, a senseless comment? Is it uh, trying to get your discipline your child? And is it right scenario? discipline?
1: I, I listened to a uh, an adult say to a child who had done something incorrect to a sibling, right? Um, whether the child was 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 you know intended to do so or didn't attempt to do so you know so the adult rebuked the child in front of the siblings gave them some sort of ultimatum right and i was just observing this and i'm thinking to myself you've accomplished nothing <laughs> with that com- the way you said that the timing of it and uh, nothing was accomplished now the adult may say well, you have a new way of you know, um, that you're not supposed to rebuke kids. And uh, but this is the old way. Oh, really? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to be successful and effective. <laughs> I asked myself, is what I did effective? And I can, just observing it, it was just not effective. The child didn't change. They, they were hurt. Right. Um, they did not learn from that that conversation. Anything we have to ask ourselves, our parent, when we stay emotionally calm, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what's, when's the best way to, what's the best way to say it? What's the best time to say it? Just, I'll give you one more example, and then we can move on to your questions. If you want to educate your child to be more respectful, correct? The the, the worst time to try to educate them to be more respectful is when they're being disrespectful. That's like the worst time to try to educate them. So they're having a fit and they're being disrespectful. If the adult stays calm, Right. You may have to do something to it. Depends on how serious it is and if they're out of control. It depends if they're throwing things. I mean, there may be certain things the adult has to do. But if the adult stays calm and thoughtful, reserves any discussion about the wrongdoing at that point, doesn't respond at all. Just if anything, you can maybe hug the kid and say, I see you and know, I feel I see you're going through a very hard time. Don't personalize it and say, Oh, he's calling me this, he's calling me that, she's calling me this. Forget about that. Just hug, right? And then you know, have a conversation at the Shabbos table or are we taking the kid out to the pizza store about why is respect important? You know, just in a calm setting, come up with with a good question, an engaging question to have with your children or why. You never know what they may come up with, you know. Ultimately, you want to communicate to them that respect is something, not because I need your respect, but you need to be respectful for you as a person. Whatever, whatever message you want to communicate, you find the right time, the right place. When you're both in a proper mood, And and then it could be an effective conversation. But when you scream and shout at them at that moment, it's just not effective. It's not a question of which way is better to me. That's an ineffective way. And all you're doing is you're letting out your own steam and you're showing your lack of self-control. So now you're teaching another additional thing that you don't control yourself. So why are you asking them to control, right? And we get caught up. But they're being chutzpah. or being chutzpah. Okay, okay, relax. I understand that. That's not good. I'm not saying it's good thinking calmly how to best effectively change the behavior not how to just you know uh, lash out and, and to deal with my own inability to to control my anger
2: but i, I think it's more than uh, inability it's the parents are, are going through through fear they're like my goodness how is this kid going to operate in this world and they're they're act, like you just described they are going through their own internal emotional dysregulation because of the fear of what that what what is this going to mean, not just in this moment, but what is this going to mean down, down the road uh, uh, in for the life of this child, if they can't, you know, if they can be disrespectful to me in this such an intense manner, what's that going to look like later? But what you're basically saying is in the very immediate short term, a parent may have to swallow a very objectionable behavior. Well, because it because right now there's nothing you can do about it. Right now anything you do is going to only backfire.
1: In, in many situations, that's that's what will happen. So I think you have to be thoughtful and your actions need to be intentional. Um, so, right. So, you know, every case is different. And I'm not saying to you, there's sometimes you need to do something to stop it. But the lectures and the right. anger <laughs> and when I was a kid stuff, it just doesn't work. So all I'm saying is it's not effective. I'm looking for effective versus ineffective. Yeah, they effective. like to say
0: that it worked for them. That's the lineup that the people want to save, so it' works for us, so why can't it work for our children
1: so first first of all and therefore first of all, I don't know did it or didn't if it, it may maybe it did um but we're at a different time, and children are presenting themselves differently very, very clearly. I don't need to take time now to do a whole analysis why that's almost not as important as the fact of the matter is things have changed, and the old styles of. Chinuch don't necessarily apply. The old approaches don't apply. And that's what Hanichalapidakum is: understand the child and the time you're living in, and what will work more effectively to change the behavior of this time. I mean, there's the answers from the Rebbe in the area of academics. The Rebbe, numerous times, people ask the question, are we allowed to use this method of, you know, to engage, you know, the Rebbe says, whatever engages the students more. Um, there was a question if they allowed us show olive bays in colorful ways or they need to use black and white. I'm talking about years ago. The Rebbe says, whatever engages the students more. So what? That's, that needs to be our question. How do we engage them? How do we affect change with the child in front of me? The fact that I, it worked for me. Well, I'll, I'll tell the parent. I mean, if you think it's going to work for your child, why don't you test it? I, as, as someone who's been involved with this for a long time, I can tell you those approaches do not work today, or they work. They, they only work with a small percentage of kids. Well, let, let's put it that way. They do work with a smaller percentage of children who respond the same way we responded to our children or how our grandparents responded to their parents. Uh, but an overwhelming majority of kids today do not respond similarly. And you ask people, they'll tell you that.
2: I'm not aware of any 75 or 100 year study, but I did send you that little thing from the Jewish Observer from 1999, which is 24 years ago. Pretty, pretty incredible how 24 years ago, the conversation that we think is brand new was actually already being had so that that
0: wasn't getting the attention because now they are now it's being presented in a way that look at the crisis this is what we have to do so people are approaching it with more um you intentionality know, yeah and they're saying okay we need to apply some of these ideas 24 years ago the problems were still simmering they weren't yet bubbling over i, th- I
1: think it's important to point out when we're talking about systems and understanding what's going on i i want to highlight something else i'm not sure it was one of your questions and that is that a school's a lot of schools have made tremendous progress in this area. A lot of schools are really, really adjusting and changing and adapting to the situation. That's number one. Number two. um,
2: You know, let me interrupt you uh, uh, for a question that isn't on the list of here. uh, This may be too personal or too, too close to home. Do you really believe that the teachers, staff who are I don't know. Let's, I'm going to pick a random age, 60 or over, are truly capable of re relearning the systems?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't answer, you don't My, 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 my YAML led us was this past week,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I'm getting very close to that number.
0: I don't know that, I, so I want to becoming before. very personal. <laughs> I, I want to say that I don't know that it's an age thing. I you're think right. it's a personality. It is, it, I think it's if a person Rabbi Rosenblum is right. you, that age. Your, your, father,
2: your father, father is proof of
0: growth. Right, growth mindset people that are willing to change and are flexible. I think could apply that. I I, I just I so, mean, so maybe, I'll, mean, maybe, maybe I'll phrase that differently.
2: A lot of a lot of teachers appear to be incredibly inflexible.
1: So first of all. Whenever you're trying to change a system or to change a group of people, it's not helpful to come in there and say to them, listen, everything you've been doing till now is wrong. Let me tell you how to get it right. It's just it's not a very helpful way to, to get it done. I think even working with parents, working with teachers, working with schools, we have to be sensitive to, first of all, the wisdom of those who've been doing this for a long time. And the fact that these problems are complex, as I just said, and there aren't easy solutions and uh, and then a better approach is to honor and respect everything that's been till, done till now and to add New approaches, new layers. So that's just as far as an, a, 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 an approach that's going to be more successful versus one that's not going to be more successful, which talks about in general the relationship, you know, between parents and school, which I, I'd like to address at one point between at, during this discussion, because that's that goes to the heart of solving the problem is the alliance, um, which you know we mentioned, we I referenced the today, the alliance, the partnership that, that must happen. Um so that's for all, but just coming back to your question, um, schools have grown. Um, almost everybody in Chinuch has grown in these areas that I mentioned in in being sent in, in building a yachas, a relationship, a connection, in you know creating engaging lessons. Everybody's grown. The question is to what extent, and the next question is less and less people are interested in going into Chinuch today. We're five, That's another crisis in the world. Um, so a lot of schools have less experienced teachers who are coming into the system. So it takes time to train them. There's much greater turnover. So schools are facing situations that, you know, for instance, I can want as much. I, I care deeply about wellness. I care deeply about creating a wellness culture. And I'll be the first to tell you that there's a lot of growth that Pittsburgh still needs to do. We we need to keep on training, keep on working at it. You know, there's a lot of things that we have to work on. And it's not because we don't all care. We do. But, you know, there are a lot of challenges with finding teachers and keeping teachers and teacher turnover and and things of that nature. Um, But back to the point, schools are growing, schools are aware, there's an awareness. We just need to accelerate the awareness And we need to accelerate solutions and we need to accelerate the conversation that needs to to happen around these topics um, so that we can help our children quicker.
2: You know, there's one of my uh, children's teachers in school last year, um, a math teacher, you know, he had like some kind of bouncy ball with the garbage can system and the kids really loved going to his class. Like, like, I don't think he had discipline issues in that class. Ever, yeah. The problem is, is I don't know how much math they learned. <laughs> um, you know, you know, ultimately I, I, I'm all about having not just efficiency, but, but success. You know, he, whatever he did teach was successful, but he may have really lowered the bar to meet them where they were behaviorally.
0: But isn't that what Ravi Rosenblum is saying? Sometimes we have to meet the students where they're at. So if there's a behavioral issue in the class and they can handle a certain amount, let's meet them where they're at and slowly, yeah, they should be at the fifth grade level, but they're not, they're at a third grade level. So we have to meet them there.
2: Right. So I guess that's what I'm asking. I I guess fundamentally, okay. If you have a class of easygoing kids, fine. This is not a, class. this was a tough class, really not easygoing kids. I guess it was better for the teacher to take the wins he could get, than try to force fourth grade math on a fifth grade class um, and in the end, he may have gotten away with third grade in math, but at least he got something.
1: So I'm and, all about a positive warm feeling. Right. I'm all about academic excellence and getting kids to learn and grow and thrive based upon what they can accomplish. And as we really need to understand what they can accomplish. So let's say you have a class that's, we'll soon, we'll soon get to a situation where you have different levels in the class. But let's say you have a class right. that's on a fifth grade level that's now functioning on a third grade level. And, and a class that has severe behavioral challenges. Well, then for that class, you're gonna adjust the expectations. You're gonna make them real, make it realistic and you may need some more breaks. You may need some more entertaining things, engaging fun things in order for them to learn anything. Um, so if someone asks me, yeah, but the old way we're just gonna teach and we're not gonna use those methods of engagement and connection. Well, they're not gonna learn. So again, it goes back to the question, are you gonna, can you be successful that way? I would say to you, probably you're not going to be successful the other way. You need to adjust to the reality that you find in front of you academically, behaviorally. The big challenge that schools face is when within one class, you have various levels. And this this talks to something called differentiated instruction. It, it, It talks to sophistication in teaching. It talks to the ability to address multiple um needs within the class it's beyond the scope of of today's conversation really um because it's more for schools and, and teachers and it takes time but it's, it's a challenge but there too the school the administrator the teachers need to take a look at the children by and come up with a plan that best addresses the needs of, and of a that master particular teacher class um, and the more we have master teachers in the classroom the more we have capable teachers experienced teachers who care um, the more successful we're going to be with reaching those children, and, you know, yeah, nothing's perfect and nothing's uh, exact, but that that's we will be more successful at. at uh...
2: We know that you guys had Rabbi Russell out by you guys for seemed like quite a few days. I don't know. He, he was there for a long time. I don't know what, four, what, days, what, four days.
1: Four days. Spoke around twelve times.
2: Wow. Okay. So so clearly you guys are invested in, in that modality, if you will, um, and you know we're fans, and I, I think he really speaks for a lot of. A, a lot of today's generation. I know Rabbi Jacobson has interviewed him multiple times, and 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 he's he's really someone that that is, you know, a, a, certainly a thought leader, maybe implementation leader in a lot of this new way of thinking. And you know, I've heard him give an example on somebody's podcast. I don't remember. You know, he was talking about a practical situation. You know, kids coming to class, he's late or he's uh, being disrespectful or something like that. And he says we have to change our whole approach. And he says, you know, you got to come over to the child and say, you know, rather than, you know, what's the matter with you, more, uh, go, go more curious, you know, what what happened to you, put your arms around them, take it to your office, offer them a Danish. And it sounded really beautiful and quaint and cutesy on the podcast, but... How does that how does that look in an actual classroom setting? You're a teacher, you're running a class, kids consistently late or disruptive. You're trying to run a class. I get it. So the old way you, you can no longer hit a kid and stay employed. So we we've we made progress a little bit. But how do you take these new ideas, which really sound beautiful? And on the home front, there's a lot more flexibility. I I can sit with my kid who's having a tantrum in the corner of the room and slowly engage him. When you're running a class, how do you do that? I don't have the time. I don't have the manpower. There aren't five teachers in a class.
1: I want to tell you an answer with a story, and then maybe address your question. Um, there was a davening teacher, okay, who created a system as follows. The teacher said, "Whoever daven's well every day, on the table there's going to be chocolates or what have you." And you could take a chocolate and, uh, you know, uh, take it and eat it. Make a bracha and eat it. So a mother told this to me, by the way. So her daughter um, didn't dab in well one day. But the chocolate on the table looked very, very yummy, very tasty. So she went over and took the candy. The teacher didn't say anything. Because the role was you get to decide on your own if you deserve a candy. The mother said the daughter came home that night. And she says, you know, I didn't dive in today, and uh, I couldn't help myself but take take the candy. The mother said, oh, okay, I hear. So you know, you know, what do you think? She says, you know, I'm I'm gonna dive in well every single day now to the end of the year. Okay. Contrast that arrangement with, you know, a lecture. You didn't dive in. You don't. I'm just giving you an example of a system that was set up. This isn't one-on-one, you know. You know, putting your hand on it's 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 being create creating a more effective way of having communicating to children. Let's say that davening is about you and a Um, Some people even come up with a little rubric where children can, can rate themselves on how they daven. Right? Here's a little gift if you're successful. Putting it more on them. This is just one suggestion of many. That, that teachers can employ that are more class-wide, classroom-wide. Back to your question. Rabbi Russell would be the first to tell you, and he said it here when he was in Pittsburgh when he spoke to the teachers, that he doesn't have all the answers of how to do this. He's not a, he's not a classroom teacher. Um, in fact, if we can get a conversation going between the Rabbi Russell and like-minded people, myself, and people who are actually in the classroom, put our brains together we must probably can solve a lot of these problems robert russell saying you need to build a connection with the children you can't say these things to the children that's that's what he's saying you can't interact with children in this way and that and he's that's 100% we need to embrace that now what does that look like in a classroom it may not be practical to actually go over to every kid every day and put your hand around and say you know there may have to be certain structures in place that make sense and, and work in a class of 25 you know there may be certain structures that meet, that that fit the rabbi Rabbi Russell or we call it chinuch with care approach but yet there there roles discipline and structure that are done with love connection and understanding so there can be you know there, there can be certain roles that if such and such happens you know Rabbi Russell doesn't want us engaging you now well let me back. back let me let me start again a teacher has to ask themselves the question: When this child is presenting themselves in a certain way, misbehaving, or they're they're late, or they're not learning, you know, is it worthwhile? You know, which of these things do I have to address now, and which of the things can I let go? So, for example, if a student's not learning, I don't think there's any reason to go over and nudge them and hack them and whatever, whatever. I mean, there could be some general things you do. Um, for student engagement but i'm saying let's say kids off particular day. you know you can let them be you know you can say when you're ready to learn you know you'll learn you don't have to engage them and turn this into a whole adversarial experience for both parties now if a child is acting out in a way that's disrupting the flow of the class of course the teacher has to step in and in a, in a you know the least possible intervention necessary do it quietly do respectfully you know walk over to the child as you're as you're uh running the class and say you know you know is there something i could need to do would you like to take a quick break come back you know engage and continue your class right so there are strategies um that master teachers employ running a class keeping their emotional constancy addressing you know, knowing what to ignore and not try to change everything and recognizing it won't be perfect, right? So I'm I'm throwing out a lot of different things, but it can't be done. You can't, one can run a class with, uh, you know, um, with with the love, the care, the connection, and yet, you know, um, hold student responsible. You know, I myself teach. uh, um, The first day I walked in, yeah, I said, you know, can I go to the? Can I excuse myself to go to? The, I said, no one ever has to ask again. Can I, you know, can I go out? If you need to go out, you go out and uh, come back when you're, you know, you're done, or whatever. And however, you know, I, I made a couple. I said, you know, please use it. This we're only together for 45 minutes. Please use it sparingly and use it when you need. And uh, okay, so 80% of the class um, responded. <laughs> the, Eddie, the class responded, and I saw there's maybe a certain percent that were abusing it. So I just made another announcement again. I said, You know, I really I, I trust you, and that, you know, it's, it's much better for, you know, so, but at the same time, I don't, I don't want you missing the little, you know, the, the the 45 minutes that we're learning. It's extremely important. So just listen to how I'm saying it, you know. I mean, within three weeks, the problem was solved. I never had a problem again. Three, two, three girls will go out. Some of them need that break for two minutes, you know, and they'll come back, and that's not a problem anymore. So so I'm more successful. <laughs> they sit quiet. They behave. They go, you know, had I made it? You have to ask. No, you can't. You went up three times. You know, you just you create a negative energy. You're not successful anyways. You hear what I'm saying? So these problems can't be solved. There's no stirrer between. In other words, too much care and concern and love will not lead <laughs> to the class being chaotic. If anything, it will help. It, it's one of the tools to make the class success.
0: I think it's the same idea. Like we have to treat them with respect. And this is like a concept that I think is hard for us adults to sometimes, I don't know if it's accept, but to realize that they, they're they they're human beings, they're a piece of Hashem and they deserve to be treated with mutual respect. Doesn't mean that they're equals. It's, it's a different, it's just respect. So I, I wanna actually pivot for a minute and kind of go into the way of parenting a little bit because I'm sure many people who are listening are, Also, maybe not teach. They're not teachers, but they're parents. And there's many parenting trends that are very much all the rage right now. Um, I, I don't know the exact term for it. You know, gentle parenting is one way, all different terms for it. The idea is it's not permissive parenting. It's very much not permissive parenting. It's very much in line with some of the things that you're saying, for example, if your child's having a hard time not sending them out, but actually asking them if they need a hug or helping them regulate themselves or sitting with them in their discomfort and helping them kind of get the language around it. Um, It's also the idea that we don't have punishment. We don't have consequences. Meaning if a child speaks disrespectfully, you're not losing your screen time because of that. Or we're not also giving like, you know, incentives for everything they do right. So it's kind of like more about being present with your child, et cetera. I'm not going to go into more than that. My point is, is that many parents are using this approach right now. But the truth is, it's much more messy. It's much louder. Um, come to your grandchildren's home. You'll see it. The kids are having more tantrums. There's more crying and yelling. There's more um, mess around. Like, it's, it's just messy is the way I would, I would term it, because it doesn't look like nice and clean and neat and little kindle that are dressed cleanly and doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. So my question is, is we have kids that are coming from that environment and coming to a classroom that there's many, many teachers that are still old school and are still implementing those styles of if you, if you talk at a turn, your name gets on the board. If you get a check by your name, you're sent out, you lose five minutes of playtime. I, I know this is happening. I see it in my kids' schools and they're wonderful schools. They're great schools. And this is what they're doing. My question is is two part. Number one, what are your feelings on this parenting style? What, what do you what do you think is, is this in line with Tyra? Is this in line with the way we're supposed to be raising our children? And then second and second of all, the second part of it is, how does it jive in the classroom when they come the next into classroom? You hear parent teacher saying constantly, these are entitled little children. They come in, they think we have to collaborate. We should come up with a solution together because at home their parents are collaborating with them. I'm the teacher, do what I say, and lie, march in line. So I guess it's, it's a long, again, a long-winded question, but two parts to it.
1: So first of all, the Frida Gurebbe was once asked which political party is uh, consistent with Torah during the Friedrich Rebbe's times. And he said the Torah is MS, and the political parties were created by human beings, which by definition has a mixture of Tevara, Whatever is ms within them has, has a source in Torah, and then the other stuff doesn't have a source in torah iai do not I a a I don't I'm not necessarily familiar with all these various different parenting styles. That's one. Number two, I don't believe that any one particular style is necessarily in of itself the answer to the question. One thing we did here again back to the school, and I will I'll come back to parents. We we named our thing Chinuch <laughs> with care. Specifically, a separate title. It's our way of doing things based upon what we think is consistent with Terra values and works as an effective. So, now coming back to your question, um, some of those programs are was probably a little extreme. Now you mentioned authoritarian. Authoritarian was never good. Authoritarian is a very terrible approach. But authoritative was considered um, an acceptable approach and permissive was usually was was frowned upon you know per, permissive parent parenting um the the, the 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 I mean maybe we need to create a whole new series of you know parenting um sessions and and, and address this yeah. because it's it, it's a mixture some of that stuff is over the top um to say that parents and children are equals and friends and is 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 against the Torah and it's not accurate. And I don't think it's effective. I don't think that's effective, okay? There has to be a difference between parents and children, right? To say that there's never an appropriate time. By, by the way, there,
2: there are thousands of parents who will eventually hear this um, podcast and they're clapping right now. just Because yes. there's really a strong pull in both directions yeah. on this yeah. topic.
1: To, to say we're all equal, I, I think, is absolutely wrong, and it will not be effective. And remember that word. Uh, first of all, it, it, it's inconsistent with our terror values. And second of all, it's not effective. Okay, so then it's from, it's stri- two strikes against it, okay? Um, the abusive way, uh, being abusive, screaming, shouting, carrying on, putting children down, was never a terror way was always inconsistent with terror values. So there too you know, um, so like everything else.
2: But, but but again, interrupting.
1: Many of us really grew up that way. It doesn't mean that it was it, correct.
2: No no no. I, I'm 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 agreeing. I'm just saying yeah. for many of us, this is the this is the model that we know and all we saw.
1: It, but but right. It's a that doesn't make it correct. And a, and a certain amount of children survived that. And a certain amount of children are dealing with it till today. So okay, so let's 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 call a spade a spade. It may have worked. The, when you ask a question, is something working? The the, the, the real question is, long term, does it work? It's not sufficient to say it worked for five minutes or for this year or when you're in front of your parents. You know, the question is, did we? You know, discipline means helping the child develop self-discipline you know, and and learning how to control their own lives, not you know at, the, at that moment where they was someone able to scream louder. Or or carry on, or do something that caused them at that moment to stop. So right, you you got compliance, but not buy-in. You didn't get right. You didn't change anything. You didn't didn't change them. So, so like everything else, we have to. You know, some of that stuff is over the top, unnecessary. Um, I, I think when there is appropriate attachment between parent and child, when we build a yachas with them, when we care for them, when we spend quality time with them. Um Right, where, where you know, Hayim Yaim, I pulled, I pulled out Hayim Yaim, you know, from Chavhe Seven where the, the Rebbe talks about Daigib Beliv Ish Yasichena. You know, had a help. You know, Yasichena means if someone has an issue, you need to talk to someone to talk it through. And then the Temur explains that the the person you talk to has to be one with you. Um, and who totally feels what you're going through. So you can imagine a parent and a child having a conversation with no iPhones or no technology, even in front of them. It's put in another room. It's not even on the table. Okay, so that's a valuable, uh, meaningful uh, time when you can help a child grow and you should help a child grow. And there's certain behaviors we should not tolerate, but it comes after we build a yachas with them and there's and, and we spend quality time with them and we we eat supper together every night, and they know we love them dearly and deeply, right? So there's attachment. Then they understand that we're going to be limit setting, and there are going to be certain rules. And yes, there are times that there are there's a place for consequences, but there's something called the art of the consequence. How do you give the consequence? Is a consequence me the Keneged Me the like Tara says. Do the children understand and learn from the consequence? Is it over the top consequence? So so I'm saying to you, there's a place for rules. There's a place for limit setting. There's a place for consequences. Parents and children are not equal. At the same time, um, some of the old stuff we did is, is is destructive. So it's somewhere in the middle. The truth in those programs have a mucker and tear and are consistent with our values. And some of that other stuff is new age and, 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 has, no, and has no place and it
0: doesn't work. Okay. And then let's do the second question part, where you have those kids that are coming from those homes, where let's say even collaborative parenting approach, which I actually think is very effective and is um, it's talked about, and I've seen it, I've seen it work, um, where you have not that you know your child is deciding, but you're having conversations together, and you your child will come up with, like you said, you you'll be surprised by the 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 things that the students will come up with. The same thing with the child, the parent and the child come up with solutions together. So you have parents that their children that are raised in such a home are coming into a classroom, and then these teachers are dealing with what they call entitled little students. what What are your What is your thought about that? how How is that? How does that work?
1: I'll come back to the actual collaborative parenting in a second, but now let's go back to the to the schools. Um, I, I think I addressed this earlier on that you meet a child well two ways. First of all, you need to meet a child, Basher Husham, where they are. And if, you know, we don't necessarily control what our parents, our parents' parenting methods and, and approaches, We it's not within necessarily the purview of the school. We don't control that. Um, I could, I'm i going to address that. I'll make a point about that soon, but we don't control that. So if you're a teacher of a given class, your administrator of a given class, and the kids coming into the school have this approach, uh, try to understand where they're coming from. Um, so some of that, can be uh let's talk about the collaborative approach some of that can be incorporated into how we do things in our schools i don't think there's anything wrong with having a conversation with the children about you know whatever the you know the rule setting or or the policies how they work and giving children some input in in in, in how that's going to work i don't think there's anything wrong with that having a conversation with them you know like you'd sit down with your own child and plan the day how are we going to do things you know how are you going to spend this time what about this? And they say, what about that? And you know, this works for me. Doesn't work for you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's nothing wrong with having the conversation. There's nothing wrong with teachers having the conversation with their class as they're ruling out how they how they run their class. There's nothing wrong with it. But then, let's say the parent just stops there, and and there's no parent final approval necessary in the home. The child thinks like they have equal votes, equal rights, and if if you know they get fifty, you know, if they don't both agree, I don't know what they do. You know, right. Yeah, yeah, so. And the school can't run that way. Well, you'll so then the, you know you sit down with the class and you say to them, "Listen, this this is how we do things here. We we really want to hear how you how you uh, what you feel if you have ideas, et cetera, et cetera. But it's got to work for us also. And now this is how it's going to work. Um, the school can't run solely on the collaborative approach. Approach. School needs you know uh, when you have twenty kids in a class, you know there's someone who has to be an authority and to be able to ultimately. You know, Decision. make decisions and keep, keep the class running. Um, you know, explain it to them, depending on their age, and then act accordingly. I think children will adjust. I, I think they, they will adjust. So if, if, if we're curious and we're, and we're approaching, so we're asking ourselves, where are these children coming from? Let me present to you a question. Let's say you're running a school for non-from kids. What would, what would your attitude be then? You'd say to yourself, okay, here's the kids. Here's what their background. Here's what they're learning. They may have come from a, a dysfunctional home, right? Right. So you, you don't say to yourself, well, I'm, this is how I'm doing it. And forget about where they come. You're not going to be successful. You're you're like a dentist <laughs> uh, who says, you know, who expects to open the mouth and have some cavities there that they have to dress. If it was just like they're going to open the mouth and everything is going to be fine, that you don't need a dentist. So the teacher pr- takes the approach, okay, kids are coming from different backgrounds, different parenting styles. You know, let me try to understand it. Let me try to work with it. And then whatever I have to adjust, I adjust. We can't get stuck. In, you know, this is how I run the school. This is the subject I'm teaching in fifth grade. This is how I run my class. Well, th- those aren't the children that are in front of you, right? What happens if oh, the, the child Rahman al didn't have parents? He's in a. You have to deal with what you have and, and, and see how to get them from where they are to, to where they need to be. That That's number one. But I think... Major, major, major point that I want to highlight is the parent-teach, the parents-school alliance. The conversations must happen between schools and parents. First of all, parents need to make sure, and schools need to make sure, that it's a, it's a, it's a right shidduch. That the child and the school have similar beliefs, similar values. Of course, that's going to be better and healthier for all parties. So as much as possible, you want to send your child to school that you feel understands you, will work with you, has a similar approach and a similar attitude. That's number one. Now, what? Not, that's not always possible, okay? Um, sh- but again, we, that should be pursued at any cost. Don't send your kid to school that you don't believe in and you think is really counter to every to, to your you know, your approach in parenting and and life. But now, let's say your kid's in a school. And this is what it is. There needs to be communication respectful communication between parents and school. And both sides need to lower the, the the animosity, you know, cut out a lot of this WhatsApp stuff that goes on that causes schools and teachers to feel under attack, right? It's not helpful, it's not productive. It, does, it doesn't achieve the goal of helping your child, but rather engage in a, in a positive, forward-looking, problem-solving discussion with the school and see what we can come up with. Talk to them about your beliefs and what you want and, and what you'd like to see and why you, yeah, and the school talks about how we work and, you know, et cetera. You know, you can have excellent conversations. And something something we just started right now, Pittsburgh, I asked the, we have a wellness division with a psychologist who runs this division and they're involved. Yeah, one
2: you, you mentioned this wellness thing before. Can you, can you take 30 seconds? What, what is that?
1: Okay, I'll I'll get to that in one second, but let me just finish the point. And so they have these meetings, they're called MTSS meetings, where you have the teachers, the special ed people, the parent, you know, and they're they're really trying to put their brains together to help a child. Um, so I I uh, I told, I, I discussed with our administrative team. I said, how how do parents feel about these meetings? Are they do they feel these meetings are good? They said, you know, we're not sure. So we created a form, a feedback form where we asked parents, did you feel here heard? Right? Do you agree with the, the the resolutions of the meeting? Do you think there was an exchange of ideas, et cetera, et cetera? So, so the schools sort of communicating to the parents, you care, and what you think care, and what and your, and your opinions matter. Um, and then, the, and likewise, the school, the, the parents need to communicate that to the school that you know we have our kids here, we 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 support you, we wanna we wanna partner with you. Um, of course, the there are, there are sometimes conflicting the needs here you have the parents' goal and is to, to deal with their own child uh, and, and that's what they're mostly concerned about the school needs to deal with <laughs> the, the, the student body it's, it's a you know so the needs are different um so but, but we can understand that as well there can be a healthy conversation about your needs versus our needs what your you know what your goals and objectives are. And what our goals and objectives are, but you know, so that needs to happen, and, and that would address some of what you're bringing up, um, and and maybe we can sort of influence each other a little bit. Maybe the schools can adjust and adapt some of the stuff, some ideas that are helpful, and um, and 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 some of the parents can maybe tighten up some of their methods of of parenting, um, because there's clearly a need for parenting classes and courses, and the, you can't just read a book. And become an expert on it. Even you can read a book. You you have to role play, and you have to have a guide, and you have to have a you know mashbia Selah harav who helps you and to become really good at it. Uh, As far as the answer to your question about our wellness division, um, the answer about the wellness division, the um, three years ago yeshiva went through a strategic plan, which involved parents, teachers, administrators, and community members. Over 100 people participated in this. And they came up with a five-year plan with 105 action plans to to implement it over five years. One of them was a wellness division. Um, Another one was a trauma-informed school. These were two massive uh, action plans. The trauma-informed school is like 100 pages of them. Um, Originally, I I wasn't going to... Start this wellness division because it's it's costly and it's a lot of work. But once COVID hit and we were on Zoom and there was a lot of trauma and a lot of needs, uh, we we decided here to jump right right into it. And uh, so we created a wellness division, which is currently there are eight full time employees, um full time not all of employees. Some of them are interns, so they're they're not being paid by us. But and uh, it's led by a, a psychologist, Levavitch Newman. His name is Dr. Israel King. And uh, they oversee two, 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 two parts to it: you know the social, emotional, psychological, spiritual well-being of the children, and the academic um, well-being. So they're very, very involved in any children who are you know suffering or dealing with issues either academically or behaviorally or emotionally. Uh, the The uh, wellness division is very, very involved. What we're finding now is they're overwhelmed because the percentage of children that should be serviced by them should be much less than currently is being serviced due to the State of the Union, what's going on. So that was a wellness division. Then we had another action plan called Trauma-Informed School. We don't like to use the word trauma-informed. We just don't like that term. That turned into what we call chinuch with care. Um, and uh, included in that is the social-emotional. It's creating a climate and a culture that 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 uh, nurtures the wellness of students teachers and even administrators and even the head of school so everybody's needs to be uh, you know it's not just the kids who need to feel healthy so our wellness division actually provides counseling and support classes for the teachers they've also gone through a lot of stuff
0: yes they have and they are constantly
2: that that's incredible and then we need a whole separate podcast to discuss that cuz that seems so invaluable and something that needs—it would seem needs to be—it would seem needs to exist everywhere. But um, we're short on time, so so I'm gonna, you know, if I understood, so the last little sec- section that you spoke about correctly, basically, the schools and the parents have to figure out how to get closer to being on the same page. But the reality is, is the arrangement and setup for the home, even under the most healthiest of collaborative approaches is not going to be the same for school. And, and we can't make school home and we can't make home school. And we got to, we as parents got to see that, you know, ha- have hold space for the school's um, needs and, and what they got to accomplish. And the school has to understand the parent side and um feels a little utopian. You guys are like the, you guys are like the, the test case. Like if, if you can get it right, then people can co- copy and paste. I'm, all a, no,
1: I'm, a, I'm a no way presenting it to you or proposing that we've got it right we it care about getting it right we, we're, we're no, no, working he, to get it right, <laughs> right
2: but, but that's already more than most people let, let me let me let me I would just i would just
1: make a suggestion to a parent just very practical when you're at home and you're frustrated your kid came home and said something that really sets you off about what a teacher or an administrator did, right instead of putting it on the class mother's WhatsApp or father's WhatsApp about, has your child also experienced this type of abuse with so-and-so and so-and-so? Instead of doing that, pick up the phone and call oh, the teacher. teacher or call the administrator and say, you know, you know, I know that life is tough in that classroom. And by the way, if a parent would spend a couple of days in school, they'd have a total different appreciation of what goes on in schools today. Uh, I know it's tough for you. My child came home with this. Can we talk about it? Uh, what happened? What didn't happen? What could I do as a parent to support that? What you know, Can you imagine? That's a productive conversation. I just gave one simple idea. Don't do this and do that. So it's not necessarily utopian because the way you get to big changes, I'll tell some of the Rebbe Rashab, uh, told her Kesselman about a bocher, about a child, but it's the same in everything. He says, Thursday nights when they, forbrain, when they reflect on their lives, they should think about, The vision where they need to get was a Darfensein, where they are presently, was a Seinen, was a a Kennensein. In other words, what can they do now to get to that stage? In other words, small early wins to achieve that big vision. We don't have to achieve that big vision now. We could take small baby steps in the right direction. That's why I gave one suggestion. Refrain from doing this and do that. Would, would, would go a long way to building that relationship, which will go a long way to helping our children.
2: Many people are saying that all of this new agey stuff is dumbing down the kids. They're not prepared for the world. They're too soft. You know, whereas we, you know, we came out with education and, and, and we were ready. We were more resilient. We could handle what the world was throwing at us. And now with all of this, you know, um, um, collaboration and and all this stuff is new age. It's not been tried. It's not been tested. You know, the pendulum has swung too far to the other side. You know, I'm throwing a lot of different um, verbiage at you, but it's all saying the same thing Is we don't know how this looks, or, or do we know how this looks down the road? I know this, you made a, a strong case. Um, we need things that are actually effective. Is it working? Yes. Um, so therefore, but 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 what's the long-term result of this? Are okay. we going to end up with kids who are just less academically prepared, uh, less emotionally prepared, less uh, resilient to handle the challenges of life in the world?
0: Are you saying this in response to where Rabbi Rosalum said that we need to meet the students where they're at? meaning we're not pushing them higher, are you Are you, Are you? you saying that this approach also, this idea that we need to meet the student and our children and ourselves where we're at, even though we're not where we should be, we don't know how it's going to, we don't know what the story looks like in 20 years, we don't know that what it's going to be, what it's going to look like in 20 years from now,
2: I think that's a part of it. Yeah, that's one specific example, but frankly, the, the whole conversation that we're having, the many um, parents on one side and Menalim on the other side would say, why are you, are you guys even engaging this? You know, this is how it goes and this is what works and get five of them. I, I, I,
0: I, know I, that I can talk about myself
1: and the way I view things and uh, I believe there's nothing I said on this uh, podcast to the best of my knowledge and understanding that's inconsistent with Torah So I think everything I said is very consistent with Torah New Age, throwing around New Age, that term is is in order to get a certain response or to prove one way or another way. What I'm saying to you is, this is Torah. This is Hsid, this. This these are our values. They're actually not new. There's just you know they're 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 they were given at Har and 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 were revealed by the Rebbeim. um So they're actually not new age. They're actually very very traditional. Um, and I think that's the approach that I take. And because something's written in a book by a particular author, I, I always ask myself the question: you know, what about this is consistent? And what maybe is, is, is about it is inconsistent? Um, so let, I think we should get away from rhetoric, okay, and talk more about ta'chlis, solving problems, um, and using Torah approaches that are effective. And uh and aligned again with, with our values as yidn al I mean to, uh, otherwise we talk about we have conversations about ideas, you know, ideologies, but they're not really helping address Great. the problems on the ground.
0: That's why I don't
1: want to attribute any like this sheet, that shita. That, you know, I'd like to say terrach, siddis, avasisrol, you know, it's all there, it's it's all there. Um, because siddis and terra. And in the, the Rebbe wants teachers to be believed in hishtalmut, in, in constant growth and development. The, the notion of chanechel is, is part of our belief that look at the child and, and try to educate him. I'm saying to you some of the stuff that we've gotten, you know, bad habits that we've gotten into as parents or as schools, we just need to clean up and get better at doing what's right and correct and effective. And when we stick to a Torah approach, then we then we're then we're told that we're guaranteed that we're that's where that will uh, we'll be successful. Because just like anything else, we're following uh, the, the 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 wisdom of of uh, of our Torah and our, our
2: history. And I hear I hear a, a lot of these terms are like verbal clickbait, you know. <laughs>
0: and that's why you change the words from trauma informed to chinuch with care, because again, you're not aligning yourself with one approach, just trauma. Because exactly. to a trauma therapist, everything right. looks like trauma. Right. But Chinuch with care is more something wide for everyone. I want, to finish off, I want to finish off with one last question that I ask most of the people that I interview. You've been in Chinuch for how many years?
1: His whole
2: life.
0: His whole life, right? Uh, well,
1: uh, yeah, professionally guess, for you, 30 years. You were a student and, and, at some point.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: 35 years, 36
0: 35 years. years, okay. For the past 35 years, has there been some something that you... Thought you, you originally thought you knew was true, and then after years of experience, decided that actually, no, it's different. You've changed your mind about something. What would that be? If you don't mind sharing.
1: Yeah. So, um, when I started out as a teacher, as a principal, I'd go back to as a head counselor. Um, I felt that, you know, if you, if you use Gvura, if you're extremely assertive, um, you know, demanding, um, strong personality. Um, you'll be able to control the class, the kid, the the bunk, this camp, the school. And I think I was relatively successful at that. Um, but I wasn't as successful at changing the child. I may have been successful at controlling that particular 40-minute uh, class or that particular bunk, and I was pretty good at it. Um I, I, I learned over time that being a master teacher and presenting and engaging the students, thinking a lot more about how you do it, and being more understanding and more caring um, has, is, is much more effective um, at getting the kids to become, to have the success we want, to help them become who we want them to become. Um, so that's uh, that shifted within me. I was saying things and doing things, and I made hurtful comments to students that that uh, bother me till today. I mean, Russell talks about this idea like this, you know, that the school's for the children, not the children's for the school. You know, I use things to, I said things to kids 15 years ago or 20 years ago, hopefully not after that. Um, things like, you know, if you can't, you know, act in a certain way or live up to a certain thing, uh, you know, you're not for here. Uh, which is a terrible message to communicate to the child. Um, so so I've said things that were hurtful. I ran a class. I, I don't think I was ever authoritarian, Baruch Hashem, not with my children and not in school, but I was maybe too authoritative. And um, and maybe I convinced myself that I was successful. Um, and maybe I was success, successful to an extent, but uh, the result of that style may have uh, hurt kids um, and may have not been at nearly as successful as... I would do things now.
0: Well, that's very, um, very honest honestly. and vulver, vulnerable of you to share. I'm, I'm sure all of us in the line of Chinuch of have had that experience as well. So thank you for being honest about that and sharing that. Um, I want to again, thank you for your time. This was very, very insightful. I really appreciate it.